0: It's to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. This season is 2002. Before I introduce this week's surprise panelists, know this, that the show is also a game, which I will award points for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week, and a thing we dropped that I want to bring back, bring me a basket of blueberry muffins every morning. You hear that, contestants? Thank you. All right. I am Mike. First up to the stage is one and only Greg. I don't think we dropped it. I think that's something that you implemented and that
1: nobody else ever agreed to. So I don't think. Oh, Hmm. hmm.
0: Interesting. Bad bad start for the old Gregster. Well, somebody is anti-blueberry muffin. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And
2: Ryan, why? I'm looking, I'm walking past the giant scoreboard on my way out. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for the applause. And it already says one nothing. What? What happened while I was backstage?
0: Uh, Greg decided to spit on the yeah. very theory of blueberry muffins, and yeah. that even if he is my best friend, he would never bring me a basket of them.
1: You know my britches. <laughs> I got a little big for
2: him. If I'm totally honest, but I mean, we do need to talk about how. Muffins are not the healthy breakfast that some people think they are, right? Even it's with no. the
0: It's just cake. It's just morning and cake. I just it's delicious morning cake. I'm not <laughs> eating them because they're healthy. And a basket a day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you gonna bribe your landlord with? Oh, I
2: forgot that we also pay you rent.
0: <laughs> oh, I was but it's cause I have a landlord. Uh, and so I bribe
2: them. And with then he's music.
0: got a landlord and then it that trickles on and a so landlord.
2: everybody takes a cut on the way up. Ben, Property owning is a pyramid scheme.
0: It might be, especially
1: if you're on pyramid. If you're in Egypt.
0: (laughs) Good one, Mike. Wow. All right. So now we all understand how the show works. (laughs) The
1: listeners
2: more than
0: anybody else.
1: Oh, this is one of those
0: shows. I have a question for the two of you What is your relationship to uh, insomnia, the condition? I don't
1: don't
2: think I've ever gone hardcore. I've definitely dabbled my entire life, but I would never give myself that diagnosis.
0: I would say. So, out of all the diagnoses you self do, not that one. That would be.
2: I just think that it's hard because
0: when you do that, like
2: you're not taking into account how much people actually suffer from it. So, I'm going to say I have insomnia minus or not at all.
1: Yeah, I have no sleep issues at all, except I can't stay up past 8 p.m. But, (laughs) like, uh, I have the opposite problem, if anything. Outsomnia? Yeah. Narcolepsy? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't fall asleep all throughout the day, but the sun goes down. I'm like a bird. I'm just like, oh, the sun's down. I'm going to just fall asleep right now. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to lead an adult life where you have to be in bed at 730. That's why it's we have to
2: record Movie of the Year at 5.30 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm.
1: Man, that The is sun when
0: is up, and then it's the most energy I w- has. I
1: wish we did that, because I am just popping off at 5 a.m. <laughs> Nobody else is around, and I'm just absolutely alive and awake at that time.
0: Now, what is your relationship to the Syndrome Christopher Nolan?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, That's who makes me sleepy the Get most. Get up every morning. <laughs> I think that I've really struggled with this guy as a filmmaker. Um watched his popularity rise and rise and rise and rise. And yes. have not super understood it. I've gone back to movies to like see if I was wrong. I never am Actually, no, the prestige was a little bit better the second time I watched it. Prestige slaps. But Inception was worse. The Batman movies were worse. Like, um it just it's it's really hard for me to clearly you know how like we talk about michael bay can't shoot an action scene because the cameras flying over everywhere there's no grounding there's no mm-hmm. like there's, you you can't put yourself in a place that's what this guy does with storytelling and i'm just i'm always sort of confused as to why he's doing this it feels like he doesn't know what's going on
0: that's cuz you're dumb ryan what his fans would tell you but he knows how to shoot an action
2: scene
1: and so yes he does
2: that's what i think is distracting sometimes
1: i think I like Nolan Ryan more than you do. But I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I don't think those Batmans necessarily hold up, especially in like a, um, an era where we have so many good comic book movies, uh, and a lot of it is absurd. Uh, Inception, yeah, I, I think that like you get a little bold away, blown away by Inception early on. Uh, but I really liked Tenet, and that's when I became uh, a Nolan believer. So very recently. Yeah, very recently. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I like some of the other things that that he did, but I I really liked and so I was excited about this one. Um, and but yeah, so I I I would say I'm like I think I might be the biggest fan of him on the show, and it's like I'm like oh yeah, I like that one movie and he made. You're still lukewarm on him. Yeah, yeah.
2: I kind of my favorite. If I'm looking at his oeuvre, I think it might be Dunkirk because that's just awesome scene after awesome scene time means nothing in that movie or like it's three timelines going on at different paces mm-hmm. and, and he could just focus on the art of a single uh, set piece and I think that's right. where he is the best.
0: Well, it's because he did what Dunkirk and Inception are similar that they're just collections of scenes, not necessarily movies, but the Dunkirk collection of scenes work
2: Tom Hardy doesn't come out and explain all of World War II halfway through Dunkirk?
0: (laughs) No. That would be prescient if he did halfway through World War II. Well, get that guy on a fucking television set. Yeah, I I like the prestige a lot. Dunkirk blew me away because I was super anti-Nolan at that point. Uh, I I know I only loathe. Huh? You were
2: anti-Nolan at Prestige? No, 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 at Dunkirk. Oh, okay, gotcha.
0: No, no, I love The Prestige, and I liked the Batman films. I haven't gone back in a while, I, except Dark Knight Rises and Inception. I, I know I hate, <laughs> So, but I, how much I dislike his tricks and his general, I'm a smart Brit and nobody's as smart as I am makes me dislike everything, even though it's about half and half of what I've enjoyed and what I've not.
2: What about the fact that in Tenet, he dressed Robert Pattinson and like did his hair to look exactly like Christopher Nolan for the entire movie. <laughs> that's something that's hard for me to reckon with. I gotta say. <laughs> and did he have a friend come by and go, "Good for you"? I guess uh, James Cameron did it right with Bill Paxton and Titanic. Uh-huh. That's just James uh-huh. Cameron. But yeah,
1: but isn't that James Cameron dunking on himself as hard as he possibly could
2: <laughs> over and over and over again? I knowing James Cameron, I think he thought we were gonna think Bill Paxton was the
1: awesomest dude. Oh the awesomest really? Town. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They're going to be obsessed with a guy who's obsessed with the court de La
1: Get Paxton back on the screen, man. <laughs> what are we doing? We're in the past. Right, we have to be in the past. Guys fucking in a truck.
0: Okay. <laughs> past Paxton. Come on.
1: I've always loved that on Titanic. They're on the, one of the most romantic boats of all time. And they fuck in the back of a car.
0: <laughs> That's such a, such a baller move. That's teenagers, baby. <laughs> Paula no Tompkins respect. calls that movie sex in the car on a boat. <laughs> Well, so we all came into insomnia with different relationships. Uh, had anybody seen this before? Yes. This week. Ryan, where, where does this sit in your Nolan Oeuvre appreciation?
2: Before this week, really high because I appreciated the linear storytelling. and <laughs> um, How novel. Yeah. And sort of like when you adapt a, a movie, like this is a remake of a movie from like five years earlier, and when you do that, you can sort of like say, story is taken care of for me. And now I can focus right. on, um, you know, where I'm going to put the camera and the themes that I'm going to bring forward or push back. And so for a long time, it had been up there. Watching it this week, it changed, not l- higher or lower necessarily, but it just it's became, parallel. became <laughs> fascinating in different ways, I think, for me than mm. when I saw it as a kid.
1: I think no, no. I always got this one confused with the other one that Robin Williams made in 2002, One Hour Photo. And Death to Smoochie. It was quite a year for him. It, man, was it guy's busy. Uh, and so I, I had never seen it, and I didn't exactly know what to expect. Like I had no expectations going in because I thought it was going to be... I thought we were going to get a lot more Robin Williams, and I'm just <laughs> going to say it, not his funniest work. Uh, in, in this. Uh, but I... And, you know, my feeling about it now, I thought it was pretty interesting. It's inter- the, it's a remake of a European movie, right, right? Mm-hmm. With Stellan Skarsgård. And I have to say, mm-hmm. I think everything that I like about it probably comes from the fact that it is a remake of a European movie because I, I, I find it so fascinating the way it takes, like, this turn towards the middle and becomes, like, a completely different movie than, like, the first act had been setting up to be. And... It wasn't until you just mentioned that it's a remake that I thought, oh yeah, that co- that comes from the other movie. That's part of why it's so interesting. But I did, f- I enjoyed it and I found it interesting, and um, I, th- I would say it has not improved or diminished my impression of Christopher Nolan. Uh, but I liked, th- I liked the movie. I thought it was good. I do want to push back on
2: something there, Greg. You said Robin Williams isn't that funny. There's like twelve different scenes where Robin Williams takes a look and then sprints away in the opposite direction. Yeah. And I laughed every time. <laughs> a lot of him running away.
0: <laughs> Especially at, at a certain point, Al Pacino should expect, this is this guy's one move.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the funny <laughs> thing is, because they they have Al Pacino run after him every once in a while, and they have to cut almost as soon as Al Pacino yeah. starts moving. Because
0: <laughs> Robin Williams is really skewed. <laughs> yeah, and there's big. no way Al Pacino's going to be able to catch up to him. Al Pacino is prescient. Uh, he's running as Robert De Niro soon will in The Irishman. Yeah, dude. He, he's got
1: Irishman. He's got Robert De Niro Irishman all over.
0: Well, let's just get into it because we are dancing around things I want to really talk to you about, guys, not the bullshit I've been asking you about the last 10 minutes. So when we come back, Insomnia. In 1997, a Norwegian film came out following Stellan Skarsgård as his murder investigation goes horribly wrong when he mistakenly shoots his partner and attempts to cover up his bungle part of his psychological thrill, Memento, an upcoming British director with some ideas about Batman remade Insomnia, moving the suspense to Alaska with Al Pacino as the grizzled detective who can't get any sleep, Hillary Swank as a rookie cop who looks up to him, and shocking casting of Robin Williams as the killer who has planned it all, and taking out a lot of the bungling. Taste buds, <laughs> I ask you this. This is the only one of Christopher Nolan's movies that he did not write, and it's often forgotten in his catalog. Rewatching this in between Tenet and Oppenheimer, do we see a vital step in the creation of Nolan we know? And have mixed feelings about today.
2: I, I think that I would love to read. I, I'm not sure right now that he and his brother did not write Oppenheimer, based on Insomnia. Oh, that'd be awesome. I just I think that Insomnia's script has some cheese to it, has a little bit of slack, but overall I think it's really tight and I think it's really smart. And mm-hmm. I think it's the reason I really like the script aspect of this movie is because it's. Confusing in a really interesting way of what tropes are we falling into the trap of and what tropes are we playing with. And Mm -hmm. I think it's all very intentional and Nolan allows him the time to think about that and do that because he didn't write it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I really think that uh, he's more freed up by this. I think the writing is better and I think that uh, he directs it better. And I think it's just a little bit more grounded than what he normally goes for. Uh, And that helps a lot. But there are like some really great lines in this. Like when uh, Al Pacino says, he gives like Hillary Spank like a lot of advice and then she goes, do you want me to write that down? And he goes, no, I'll remember. (laughs) I think the, yeah, I
2: I think the first 30 minutes of Al Pacino is striking, especially if you haven't seen the movie before because I think that's where a lot of the corn comes in. And you're
1: Mm -hmm. getting set up for a completely different movie it's so clever the way they do it you're like oh yeah this guy's like a super detective yeah exactly. yeah just like a
0: ball right across the home plate normal yeah. paint by numbers detective story and you're like yeah. okay and if you're me you're like fuck yes this is what i like now yeah i know i was thinking
1: about you the whole time like, oh my god they made a movie just for me <laughs> it's even based on a norwegian movie
2: but yeah and like that's where a lot of the noir aspects come in is just the way that he carouses around town and Just always has a line for every situation, which everybody else, nobody else in the movie is in a movie. Al Pacino is, but you you come to find out that it's a movie of his own making in his own mind.
0: Right. Yes, and so and what I love about that is the the new the new town he's in. People either don't know like he's off putting to them, or they look up to him. Right. Or they, but his partner Hap. is so fucking annoyed because you know that they've worked together for a long time, and he's so sick of this guy's. He's currently informing quips. on him. <laughs> he, oh yeah, he's currently form, Probably because he's sick of his goddamn one-liners. Yeah. He's written, See, I thought that, a team of UCB kids. I think that Hap is
2: looking up to him too. Like when he, I, I believe Hap when he's at the dinner table and he's saying, "I'm gonna inform," but like you have nothing to worry about. You're a legend. Like, mm-hmm. do you think he's fucking oh, with? No,
0: no I, I think be- Hap looks up to him. You can look up to somebody and still be sick of their shtick, Ryan. Like me and you. I mean, he's on you the he, that? <laughs>
1: he, He's on the he's on the same journey that Hillary Swank takes over the entire movie, right? Like he is just further along on it. He has right. sort of accepted that um, Dormer has like these major drawbacks, but also that he is like a super cop, and so we get to see him through the eyes of Hap. And uh, I can't—I can't remember Hillary Swank's name right now. The character's name uh, throughout the in, in, like beginning of the movie, and it's only when we see him begin to bungle when he <laughs> either and, and like either accidentally shoots Hap? Question mark or intentionally does? Because Hap is like, I'm going to turn state evidence on you, and something changes in Dormer's face when he says that. And I hope we get a chance to get into like whether or not.
0: Oh, we'll talk about it
1: yeah whether or not that that was uh but like uh, so uh, that is the most interesting part of the movie is that it takes that turn and until then everything that's happened that is kind of cheesy start like really pays off because you realize yeah like we have made up this myth of the super cop and it mm-hmm. comes from
0: movies He does do things by the book and- yeah
1: yeah exactly and like you know he sees the things that other people don't he's a see. preternatural yes that's so illegal
2: Cops need to stop doing that. Like we we used to be so like, this is a superhero. Like he has these superpowers. Thank God he's a cop and not a criminal. Fuck that. No, he's a criminal. He's just he's just saying that he has all these abilities and this movie sets us up to think that, oh, you know, like that's the kind of guy that Pacino is, and then that's not true. And we should have been thinking the whole time, or maybe we are now because it's twenty twenty two and not two thousand two. No, fuck this shit. We're not taking this from another cop again.
0: Yeah, it's because, okay, so he's put a bunch of guys away, he's been famous in the newspapers. How many of those, The, the whole this whole movie uh, cares about that more than modern society does still? Because it's like, well, if you fuck up this one, everybody you've ever caught could get let go. It's like, yeah, maybe always do things right. Yeah, yeah.
2: you're the one that took the shortcuts. We're supposed to be talking about Nolan, but one more thing I want to bring <laughs> up about the screenplay is that the bi- the major addition from the remake to now is the IA. So yes. it, it was okay. um, cop that you know goes and Alaska and serial killer, all that was there. But and having the sleepy time fuck with you. But the IA was added, and I have to, I have to assume that if no one wrote this, it would not have been as smoothly and subtly delivered. Like this IA background builds, yeah, mm-hmm. in such like a sort of like interesting classic way, and there's almost no info dumps. There's the occasional. Well, I picked up the right newspaper at the right time to read. Oh the my story. god, I yeah, I fell
1: behind them. Like, come on, dude. But
2: other than that, we don't have somebody sitting down and explaining everything like we do in so many Nolan movies, because that's all the time you that he'll to. give exposition, right?
0: It, uh, yeah, I was wondering at first in that first half hour is the the IA portion of it, uh, and then that they the the two lower forty eight detectives knew the guy, like they have history with one of the cops in Alaska. And I was like, "What is this? Just to be like, see, they've lived in this is a history. Yeah. This is not just one story." And then I still think that about the Alaska cop. They know, but the IA is so subtle because it builds their character, and they these are people who were very tight and are now slowly on the outs. And then it also creates the engine of tension that is going to go throughout the rest of the movie. Which,
2: which, like crescendos, it builds. The- Perfectly the entire movie, you know? I don't think it falls flat. I think he keeps adding surprises throughout where there's not like an act two drag down like a lot of thrillers have. Like, Mm -hmm. he keeps placing these situations. The most, like, the Nolan scene that we should talk about is the log running scene.
0: Uh-huh. Hell yeah. The best ride Disneyland never had. Hell yeah.
2: And so, Robin Williams does one of his patented <laughs> oop, oop, oop. <laughs> oop, Here I go. Can I get across these logs? I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Al Pacino does too, but being 130 years old, not that much <laughs> older than Robin Williams, I'll say, uh, he falls in and then, well, not going to get
1: over these logs.
2: <laughs> um, that's we <laughs> Nolan gets to go off and he gets to like build a different kind of suspense in one mm-hmm. action y set piece, set piece, and it's fucking chest pounding. Like, it's I, a cool,
0: unique che- uh, chest, uh, chest, it's a cool, unique chase scene. Mm-hmm. And it, it does feel like Memento and then Insomnia taught Nolan the wrong lessons about what people liked of what he is good at, and yeah, because he at a certain point forgot tropes and forgot like, Oh, they love it when I fuck with their head. And it's like, no man, we like how you, you're very good at just like tweaking tropes enough to keeping this thing interesting. See,
1: that's a way in which this movie could have gone straight off the rails. And I wonder if he wrote it, if it would have, because they're there about halfway through the movie. I think there are intimations that maybe like something psychologically weird is happening or something like almost supernatural is happening. Mm -hmm. And the movie leans on that as a way of, of, um, making the audience uncomfortable but doesn't actually like nothing supernatural does happen nothing like you know and so like they keep talking about how he's like uh he's going to start hallucinating but there's not a ton of hallucinations there's no character that turns out to not be really there he doesn't yeah and i think that not doing that stuff was really really good it kept the movie grounded and interesting and i think that there's a chance that nolan if it if he wrote it would have been like like, I'm look- going to make Robin Williams imaginary. Looking at <laughs> Inception and
2: uh, Dark Knight Rises, and I think to a certain extent, Tenet, like, he be- he just becomes like Guy Fieri. Like I'm going to put <laughs> sriracha on these mashed potatoes and chocolate sauce. And I'm
1: going to bamf this up a little bit. Cream
2: corn and like... And every forget time, what flavors go together, yeah, you, and forget like that you would already added a flavor three flavors ago, you know, right? Like you forget that the sriracha's is already on there. So what the fuck are we doing? And the, this I one is just it's just stays in its lane the entire time.
0: There is so even much when restraint.
1: the the people on the screen are not staying in their lane. Yeah,
2: there's some veering.
0: <laughs> there's so much restraint in this movie, and it starts with Nolan of like the you the they. Characters keep saying, Hey, you're gonna start hallucinating. So uh Will Dormer and the audience are afraid of what could be a hallucination. It's the tension yeah. that there's tension there. The phone calls that talk about the IA and the tension is the first one he gets is IA. And then it becomes uh from Robin Williams. And so the phone call becomes its own tension deliveries. And so it's yeah, man, just Fucking ease back, play in between the beats, man.
2: Yeah. The, I mean, I think that the biggest thing from Alpatino instead of hallucinations, you can tell he's tired because he starts screaming, Ha Like <laughs> you are messed up, buddy.
1: <laughs> the blankies we need
0: are all around us.
2: <laughs> Say uh, goodbye is-
0: to my large enemy. <laughs> all the time we have to talk about Christopher Nolan, though, I bet he'll weave in and out throughout the rest of the conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back, we're going to go to a little mountain bathed in fog. Mount Rushmore! It is, of course, time for one Mount Rushmore visit, where we go to this fog-laden national treasure and build it to a thing of that week. We are not dealing with any specific 2002 item this week. We are dealing with pop culture serial killers of all time. Because maybe, like Greg said, he confused one-hour photo insomnia. One of our producers who came up with this also (laughs) confused those two and didn't realize he was a one-off killer.
1: (laughs) But here's how it works, though. Here's how it works. Remember, Al Pacino's like, he's the first one so far. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be more! I mean... I think you can make the
2: case that Al is a serial killer in this movie. <laughs> That's true. He's, he's killing folks. He's a cop.
0: That, is that what the song Cop Killer is actually about? Yeah,
2: you're, I'm a cop. I'm a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think is how it <laughs> goes. A cap. All
1: cops are Pacino.
0: <laughs> oh, man. They should be so lucky.
1: <laughs>
0: all right. So with that in mind, Ryan, take it away. But I think that...
2: There's a clear slammy D, one that we have covered on Movie of the Year, Uh, the star, co-star of a Movie of the Year winner in 1991, Uh, Hannibal Lecter, has to be the most iconic serial killer in film history,
0: undeniable. And this is just Anthony Hopkins' face, right? We don't need to do like top half Mads Mikkelsen, bottom half Anthony Hopkins. I think Brian. I think Cox what we should
1: I think what we should do is uh Jim Carrey's face when he puts the chicken skin oh. on his face and cable Silence guy goes, I'm not <laughs> Which every time Science of the Lambs comes up, I don't think of anything from Science of the Lambs. I think of the cable guy. Are
2: we doing a bad job promoting the show, not telling the podcast world that this is the podcast that
0: has the most
2: cable guy references of any podcast?
1: I think we should get that out there. I think people would be interested
0: oh, to know. Listeners. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> what year is that I can't wait to finally talk about Cable Guy on this
2: that was show. 95 a year we have not done
0: 95. and never
2: will well we'll do it right after we do all 42 more movies of
0: 2002 they
1: have. call 95 99. the year America graduated from middle school <laughs> that <is> the, <laughs> that's, that's what they say they call they <laughs> we entered said, our teenage <laughs> years
0: entered adulthood in 2001 you know how uh, when
2: in movies or TV when they say the year and then they list three things that happened that year Mm -hmm. yeah 95 any tv show or movie you watch it's 1995 and it's just them saying the year greg graduated middle school three times in a (laughs) row
0: (laughs) well he did graduate three times it was
1: momentous
0: it was memento bringing it back to where we are greg who do you got right for this mountain
1: all right that's rough getting the second pick But I'm going to go with... uh, I did not watch this show myself, but it was very popular.
2: If you say Hannibal, I swear to God.
1: (laughs) Is that the same Hannibal? Oh, dear. I thought this was a different Hannibal. Oh, dear. Okay, well, from the movie Hannibal... Uh, but I'm going to go with Dexter, uh, the serial killer who kills serial killers on the Showtime Dexter, uh, the Showtime show Dexter. Uh, and I, I think he's like, uh, he's very popular and people enjoyed the fact that he would like wrap himself in saran wrap and kill bad guys. Oh my
2: God. I think what they actually enjoy Greg is how at the very end he became a lumberjack chopping down logs, just like in this movie they ran on top of.
1: Wow. I, I think it's all together. connected. Yeah. the killer and Hannibal verse. also
0: laid the groundwork for Dexter because he was like that sexy serial killer. Is he a good guy, bad guy? He's a bad good guy. And then Dexter was just like, yeah, but what if you watched him fuck? And he brings you donuts in the
2: morning. <laughs> Why was he always killing people, but never was able to kill his sister, Dee Dee?
1: Dee get out of my killing room! Get out of my laboratory! I'm serious.
0: And into <laughs> you my don't pants. know that well. show in weird places. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dexter is right on this mountain. Have I told this story? Uh, I had a friend who looked pretty similar to Michael C. Hall, but he did not know his name, so he would introduce his, to himself girls at bars and be like, I'm TV's Dexter. <laughs> and then some girls would be like, what's your name? And he'd be like, T- I'm TV's Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a piece of he shit. Dumb, he was a dumb man.
2: <laughs> All right, Ryan, back to you. I struggle with this one a lot, um, but it's just too iconic to... It's just like not, maybe not the classic... Hannibal Lecter, um, sort of the people that we get in the show Mindhunter, um, mm. that sort of thing. But based on what we think his past is and what we know his present is, I think Norman Bates needs to go on the mountain.
1: Ooh, very good. Oh. I, yes.
2: I I think that not only as... I don't know if we're doing this of like how good the movies were or how great at killing they were, but I no, think... No,
0: because Dexter's on here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that... So many of our serial killer movies are, you know, informed by Psycho that like uh, so many of our tropes wouldn't have unless we saw Norman Bates do it first. From and it's not just like just the character, like the 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 calmness of the character is something that he sort of gave to all other future killers. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that that, that is a huge lift. Robin Williams is doing his best Norman Bates of like,
1: hey man, very calmly talking about killing somebody,
0: very polite.
2: Also, Anthony Hopkins is on the mountain. Anthony Perkins, like, what's up with that sounding name?
0: Let's get more Anthony-kins up Anthony here. Anthony
1: Kiedis. Not a lot of people know this, <laughs>
0: but in the movie <laughs> Point Ding Break, gong killed all your grandmas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's only two.
2: Is that a serial killer?
0: Well, I had eleven grandparents at one point. So Damn! Whoa! Congrats, Are
2: you man! Fucking Charlie from the Chocolate Factory. That's we hope that they wonderful. They all shared a bed,
0: <laughs> but they got freaky.
1: Your all right. must be overflowing.
0: We only have one more spot open, so Greg, who's going red right on this maybe pile for me? Good
1: golly, Miss Molly. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with Steve Buscemi from Con Air. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Woo! Ooh! Yeah. He has the whole world you in his how- hands. Mmm, he's <laughs> got the horde. Oh, I want. Oh, I believe but he, he drove not- through an
1: entire state with like a little girl's
0: head on his head. He's Cl- not going on the mountain yet. He's in okay. the baby pile. But just for being that ballsy, you got that point. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just because you know I love that movie.
1: as you put that because you know I love *Caught Air*? Honestly, because when I was thinking about this, I didn't think of *Psycho*. Which now I'm kind of reeling that I didn't. That's he's not even on my list. But. Honestly, it was like very organic. He was the third person I thought of. I was like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, there's Steve Buscemi from Con Air. And I made myself a little note here, which says, look up the name of Steve Buscemi's character in Con Air, which I neglected to do.
0: I think it's Beef Stew
1: Shemi. Beef Stew Shemi.
0: Ryan? Yes. Who's <laughs> your maybe bio. <laughs>
2: um, I think that we have to go with uh, it's sort of a different category of movie, maybe closer to Psycho than Signs of the Lambs. But Michael Myers... Is a oh, fucking yeah. serial killer. Uh the guy cannot be stopped. And the reason that I think he's closer to this than maybe other horror quote unquote monsters is there is actually a lack of supernatural in the Halloween series, believe it or not. Or at least the Michael Myers movies. Um right. you have to We're
0: not talking about Season of the Witch here, folks.
2: Yeah, we're not talking about that. And as opposed to somebody else everybody else, Freddie, Jason, all the classics, they've it's not it's not in the same category to me. Yeah, but
0: no, they're monsters.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael Myers, although presents himself like that, I think that it's hard to not call him a uh, serial killer and iconic.
0: That is true. Greg, who you got.
1: I'm going to have to go with. It feels like you can't say this answer because we already have his buddy up on the mountain. But honestly, one of the most iconic serial killers is the other serial killer from Science of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. And, and like, I think there's ways in which you can even think about Tarzan Lambs and he's the first one you you come up with. I mean right. he is kind of the the center of it. Um and makes a big impression on everybody. That goodbye horses scene like still referenced in pop culture. Uh and really? to answer your question, yes, I would fuck me.
0: Yeah, we all would. <laughs> all right, now. Run. Oops. <laughs> Kick out the speed run, Ryan. Go.
2: Uh, before he was Rick's little buddy in Casablanca, Peter Lorre played. I think the first filmed serial killer. Ooh. He was M in the movie M. Um, this was before Omar and the Wire. He was whistling <laughs> down dark all- alleyways after the farmer in the Dau? No, it was uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Do, do, do. I don't. I can't remember. But um, and it was. It's just the fucking. Even though it's you know from the late twenties, early thirties, the scariest shit that. You yeah, to
1: dude, sounds scary. Greg. Movies went kind of hard back then, huh? Because yeah. they like really hadn't like sort of gotten that all under before this guy Hayes came yeah. in and changed it. You Fucking know what we should Hayes. do? We should make all this stuff suck.
0: <laughs> Boo, Greg.
1: Oh, sorry, yes, Peter and Greg. Um, he is supernatural, and I don't know if that uh, counts him out. But the Corinthian uh, from Sandman is such a prolific serial killer that he's like worshipped by other serial killers, and he loves what
0: he does. If. Man, if this was serial Killers, Mike wants to fuck. He'd be right up there. No, not the Corinthian, do? Mike. Come Definitely on. Definitely the Corinthian. Oh, no. He's so handsome.
2: <laughs> Ryan? Uh, you got to go. I don't know if this is as important as Con Air, but we'll leave uh, Stuart aside, and we will just go Billy who uh, from Scream, who organized a town-wide whodunit with murdering teenagers.
0: It's nice that he set up like a giant escape room style thing for everybody for his little town. And Greg, Black, the speed round. Black
1: Hood, Hal from Riverdale. Do you <laughs> get any more iconic than seasons after seasons of who is the Black Hood? Oh, it's Betty's dad. <laughs> Can I do one more, Mike? Sure. Uh, Michael Rooker, you may know
2: as Yondu. Uh, in the early '90s, play was in a movie called Henry: Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh yeah, uh, very low budget, very disgusting. Um, sort of put him on the map. He—it's the part he was born to play, and you get that when you see people around him. Like he's not that different than Henry.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's very disgusting. He's very low budget. Your pop culture serial killers of—I was going to say 2002, but no—of all time are. Hannibal Lecter, Dexter Laboratory, Norman Bates, and my secret special one did get called out. Mm. Mm. Billy Loomis with a little tumor of stew next to him. Look, there are other ones that maybe are more iconic, but we're bringing up Scream and it's me. It's fucking on here. Because, uh, yeah, Mike Myers is probably a good one. And I do like <laughs> that there are no supernatural powers for serial killers. Okay. we in the real world, god it. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. More insomnia. Taste buds. How important is the setting to the film? Not just that it takes place in Alaska, but also how the sun never sets. How it's obvious the sun isn't helping Dormer's insomnia. But what else is going on with this non-lower 48?
2: First of all, thats I think that's the worst part of the movie. I, I know that we love Maura Tierney. but The phrase? that Yeah, they walk into her hotel or whatever, and she's like, oh, the lower 48? Like that's not a fucking phrase yeah. that you say.
0: Well, We've I have never to say been that to Alaska. So maybe it is. maybe it's
1: because they shot the movie in Canada, but like they they it feels like the makers of the movie know that there's something distinctive about Alaska and Alaskans, and then they're like, "But we don't know what that is, and we don't want to ask them, and so they just try <laughs> to guess at it." And nobody in the movie seems like somebody from Alaska. Like if you watch these reality shows where. People Crat are hunters. like, yeah, like, you know, there's a way there's an earthiness to Alaskan folk, a, a, a sort of uh, a sort of gaunt faraway <laughs> look, maybe in the eye, a sort of uh, a, a dirt patch on the cheek here or there that really like I didn't feel conveyed in this movie. The countryside looks beautiful. Canada, yeah. uh, like standing in for Alaska looks amazing. And I do think Nolan, like, is like, okay we're going to get some epic shots of this scenery uh and then, then juxtapose that against like the very human struggle and like uh, you know uh, and, and I think that that really works but in many ways it just didn't feel alaska at all to me and I'll tell you one in the real nightmute alaska that is like a 96% indigenous community mm the Alaska like there is that element to Alaska and I think in this movie there's one character one of the cops kind of standing in the background background, yeah Yeah, and it's like okay this is re-envisioned as a completely white space and so then that is another way I only bring it up because that's another way in which this doesn't feel like Alaska while like supposed to like supposing to rely on the fact that it's in Alaska to get some extra angle it just didn't I didn't feel it didn't connect on that level for me.
2: Hillary Swank right. is in a new ABC show right. called Alaska Daily.
0: Okay, yeah, so she's back. Is, I is that like how she got cast? Except for the fact that that let's not step on some speed round questions, guys. <laughs> e-
1: except for the fact that she is, uh, she looks very Hollywood in this. I thought she did a good job of like seeming like the kind of dork who would yeah. who would come from uh, you know not a big Man, city. Man, so area. far
0: Greg has said Alaskans uh, are dirty earthy which just means dirty they have dirt yeah. on their cheeks on their faces uh they're dirt. weirdos they smell far away this looks. is how greg said this Faraway looks yeah uh and dorks dorks yeah big dorks so hey alaskan fans sorry for greg's opinions they do not stand in for all of us honestly I'll i'm to. so
1: far away from alaska i don't think anybody could get to me i mean yes
2: yeah, so you're saying they have no mode of transportation Except for
1: these weird planes that land on the ocean. That I would never get in.
2: Those planes look worse than like a local carnival ride. But, <laughs> yes. Um. I think that the most interesting part of Alaska or Canada which is, regardless of where it was shot, is just gorgeous the entire yes. time. Mm-hmm. And, There's one particular
1: waterfall that it's like, shut up. <laughs> How is that just like beside the road? Get out of here. I became Fuck Christian you. in that moment. Yeah, uh, seriously. Okay, I see the wonder of the Lord. And Nolan,
2: I think Nolan does a good job of showing us parts of it without ever like going so long sometimes when people shoot on location they're just it's non-stop shots of the shit I don't I only care so much Hear um, that, Terrence <laughs> Terrence i I think the reason why the setting is so great is because it's almost like another director's challenge of I'm going to make a film noir but take away the most important <laughs> aspect of film noir like it literally means uh black film right and or dark film and I'm going to blow it up. Which is sort of like what Ari Aster did, twenty years later, when he said, mm. "I'm gonna make a horror movie, but I'm gonna do it bright as fuck." And Chris Nolan was doing it in 2002. I think that he's like, "This is going to handcuff me. I'm not. It's not gonna be as scary, you know. It's like I'm not gonna be able to hide as much in the shadows." But
1: I'll but, pump in some fog though,
2: like a film oh, noir. You- when you get when we get to the darker rooms, like uh, Robin Williams' apartment or the foggy crevice that they're in mm-hmm. it there's that much more impact or say underwater
0: it, those are impactful and then also like he I feel like it made him the constrictions made him more inventive and had to make all those different tension engines that are sprinkled throughout the movie and that when it's always bright and you can see literally everything that's also pretty uh, horror inspiring at times as well
1: yeah because like the- he fights against the, the brightness and then I think we get a clue that like Almost three fourths of the way through, that like we are being presented the brightness in the in the same way that he's experiencing it, but that that's maybe not an objective marker. Like he's like throwing blankets and uh, in front of the window and Mara's here, and he's like, it's actually not
0: that bright in here. Yeah, Yeah, she's from Alaska. Then she turns on the light and shows how dark. She's not from Alaska,
1: Ryan. She's running from something in Alaska,
0: which all of them are. Just like what Greg said, they're all dirt bags. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, a trick. If you're sharing rooms, put a fucking shirt on your face, stupid Will Dormer.
2: But yeah, I, I do think that ultimately that is not the point. It's just like in these darker movies, when they're trying to find the light, we're just mm-hmm. flipping that. And so trying to find the darkness. And I mean, he is running from something. I think he believes that if he can fully be in the dark, then he can hide. And but he that, needs to
1: fully be in the light.
2: And he uh, all of his issues will go away somehow. He knows they mm. won't. You know, in front brain, but in the back of his brain, if he can Lizard just brain. hide, like that's—I mean—that's the reason why he took this job, right? Like, this is the lay low for a while and hope everything.
0: Yeah, blows go over. far away. Nobody knows you here. You can be a hero cop here. Like he—he ha- he so clearly has an ego. Uh, well, yeah, that's why he puts the on a
1: little like, show, right? That's why yeah. he like. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna do feats of copdom right in front of everybody, and it works. That's the thing. Uh, that's why at the beginning of the movie is very artful because it works on the viewer. Even if you're like, this is kind of cheesy, you can feel being impressed with him. Yeah, and I <laughs> mean, you
2: almost, if you're Will Dormer, you almost set up Nikki Cat as a ringer. Uh, Nikki Cat is the guy who was in charge of the case. Who's just like, oh, yeah, well, uh, that's in the report. I already knew that um, you just have oh. him say shit like that. Yeah. So you as Al could be like, oh, did you? And then that's I mean, all these tricks.
1: That's like that's like foil 101. Right. right? Exactly. Like Especially for a detective story. It's so important to have someone who's like, you're so smart and you're going to have to explain this to me one more time because I'm a big, dumb idiot. Probably like the jerk reading
0: this book if they're from Alaska. <laughs> but that the, the guy the mustache right cop mustache yes, yes yeah it was, the right, guy who's like we shouldn't be here we shouldn't be asking these questions and how how they flip and by the end when he's like hey man chill out you're fucking going nuts on this teacher get like you're yeah. like yeah he's doing it by the book hey wait for the yeah like you you go and like yeah he's annoying listen to the hero yeah. by and you're like yeah there's rules for a reason and i bl- Let's listen to Mustache more often. He hey, does he say gross shit in front of his female coworker? Yes, but then does he apologize? Hey, sorry yes, about that. he does. That.
2: Hey. with a little pat on the tush.
1: Hey, you're a good, you're a good kid. You're a good kid.
0: They look like the same age. Yeah, yeah. Cat
2: is it's always a good time. Maybe not in this movie, but in almost every movie he's in, like he just delivers an incredible five or six minutes. There's he- that Soderbergh movie, The Limey, that he's amazing in. He's the guy. Is he in the titular Sin- Limey? No, he's the guy in Sin uh, City who like. Gets shot or gets an arrow through the chest, and everybody runs out of the room, and he just stands there looking around like, uh, <laughs> "What's
1: with this arrow? <laughs> hey, it's not supposed to be there." I felt he was definitely another one who like just didn't read very Alaska mm-hmm. to me. You know? Oh,
0: see, I felt the opposite when you were saying people didn't. He's one who I think did the most. Like I could imagine him on those Fisher boats. Yeah, he's just like angry at everything for no reason except that you chose to be born in Alaska, running from or a dark secret or ran from something.
1: Yeah, either way. Either way. How about the name of the town? That's such a baller name. That's the real name of it. Nightmute.
0: So that's a real, okay. That, that, that made me roll my eyes a lot, but that's a real name. Yeah.
1: And that, I mean, you can still roll your eyes because clearly they looked at the name of the town and they were like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's exactly what we need for this. So it's like, it's almost as hammy as if they had named it. without but no, even considering not. The fact jo-
0: that it's real is fine.
1: <laughs> but they never, at any point in the movie,
2: never mentioned Jonathan Nightmute, the man who fand- founded the town. So without well, his history,
1: is this even a real movie? Some say he's still up in that mansion.
0: Do you need the guys. history of Hello. every town, of every movie you see? Yes. You know what I do? Is
1: that so much to ask for? Man. We're going to watch a movie. Might as well learn about a nice little town.
0: Oh, why Why isn't there a Dan Carlin uh, companion podcast all about the fucking town here? Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> he does hardcore history. Know your podcasts. Open a book. Open, Open a, a, book. a goddamn book. And listen One to time,
1: would you? please.
0: I think we've uh, drilled this well enough.
1: Yeah, uh, to be Alaska. honest,
2: and this is not an excuse or covering for anybody's ass, but I don't think this, uh, all of the, like, what an Alaskan town would really look like ever crossed the minds of anybody involved in this movie. It was just like... Or we, me watching it. We want to do a uh, Stranger in a Strange Land or, like, let's drop a cop off in s- some crazy place. But see, doesn't,
1: th- that doesn't pull you out of it at all to be like, like, this is only set in Alaska so that we could... Like show scenery. Yeah, and I'm just stop, saying what I think they down. thought. Yeah, that, that it just didn't that, occur to it, them. It wasn't their concern.
0: It, it just feels so all of movies until two years ago. It's I mean, like, also he's they, an LA cop. Where can we drop him?
1: And the other thing is like they're remaking a Norwegian movie, right? So they're really like, we need an American place that's like yeah, Norway. so they're above the Arctic Circle. What is
0: ours?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, all if right, you sh- th- shot in Canada, you could have just called it Norway and not Alaska. Like,
0: but then everybody would be like, hey there. Why you visit us. Everybody would have said that. Everybody would have, that's how they all say her to her to her, Swedish chef from Norway. Norway. All right. That is all the time we have for Alaska. We're gonna take the quickest of breaks when we come back. A little history lesson. Gentlemen, in honor of a figure that does not show up until 45 minutes into this movie, we are doing Robin Williams. This was your career. It is the career retrospective of Robin Williams in a whole new, fun, gamified way instead of us talking about all 100 movies an actor's been in for 45 (laughs) minutes. How this will work is we like brackets around here, these parts, so we have taken, based on our friends at Letterboxd, the eight most popular movies Robin Williams' career, and they are in a bracket. And then we're going to bracketify to define the most pivotal role of his career. You will not find Surf's Up. You will not find Jack. Oh,
2: shit. He's going full. Bicentennial,
0: man. You will not find Bicentennial, man. Oh, okay. Robots. Toys. No robots. AI. No toys. No AI. Who is he in AI?
2: He was the blue wizard that came out. Like, you oh, give yeah. him a dollar. Oh, and he does gives not count.
0: That should not be as like, oh, look at huh? his career. You will not find the king of thieves. You'll find real roles that are meaty and good and germane to this man's career. Everybody understand? I think I get it, Mike. Uh, The
2: the part that I don't get is that you said this will not take 45 minutes. It's just uh, the three of us doing an eight-team bracket. (laughs) Fuck you, dude. But it's talking
0: about eight movies instead of 50 movies. That's true. Now, uh, Ryan. Yes. The listeners are begging to know, how many movies did you watch in preparation for this?
2: I watched uh, Carlito's Way, and I watched Serpico again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because fuck you, Mike. All right. Try this. Not that time. Battle one, round one. Dead Poet Society versus Good Morning, Vietnam. Okay, so the fact that I hate a movie shouldn't matter here, right? No. You hate many movies, right? Yeah, you hate so. You say you love movies, but you hate more movies than you love.
2: I wish that was true. Um, to me, the Dead Poet Society is such a fucking fake, court, like string pulling piece of bullshit. Um, He is iconic because he got on top of desks, and he, as far as I know, originated the fucking pull the pages out of your textbook thing that I bet professors still do to this day. Uh He's he's ruined so many textbooks.
1: And frankly, he's ruined students' expectations uh, of what teachers are are capable of doing. I don't
2: have the knees to jump up on top of
0: desks. No. No, you try, and you slip a little because a fucking slimy-ass snot-nosed kid had their lemon juice there. And then you're falling, you're hurting your back and your knees all the way down. And then I'm a dead poet. Oh, Captain, my Captain. What, which, it's so you hate that one?
1: How do you feel about Good Morning Vietnam? I
0: like. If we're gonna be
2: honest, I think he's been gone long enough. Um, There's a large part of Robin Williams' career where I found him hard to handle. I uh, just at a certain point we praised him so much for his uh, quantity over quality joke telling. <laughs> Look at him going, <laughs> that, <I was> just <laughs> yeah, doing it. Uh, that we never stopped to like ask ourselves is any of this funny at any point
1: he's literally climbing the scenery at his shows
2: good morning vietnam is i think the start of that but done well this is he's kept in check he plays a character who does have moments of like i'm gonna do eight impressions in three minutes but it all fits into his job as Mm. a very popular disc jockey he has to be the soundboard right yeah there's nobody there's nobody pushing buttons like we have drop pad Shut the fuck up, drophead. Um, I I really like this movie, and I think it's a really great like star-making role for him. That's a classic right there. Drophead, I swear to God, that's a classic right there.
0: And uh, versus these two, so these were the threads that would go throughout his career. So there's like the mile a minute Robin Williams, too goofy, and then Dead Poet Society. I do think begat Jack begat Patch Adams. Like he's like oh. I can be saccharine and people like it. Oh, what dreams may come like he played against what type. What dreams, wet dreams what, will come. Uh, what, dreams will come for what? what
2: happened there? Are we writers for mad what? magazine? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you yeah,
2: wish. And those are both the, both of those Robin Williams are describing, have some really down moments. I think that this is a, like Jack is a Francis Ford Coppola movie. That is absolute trash. Um, but I think the Dead Poet Society is the down one. I think Good Morning Vietnam and it's still remembered. Like when you, it's it's one of those movies where you go to say the title, you have to say it in a different way because of how iconically he says it in the movie. That's something.
1: Good, everybody... Good morning Vietnam, I like that, right? You're thinking of Cookie Crisp. The movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was just gonna say everybody is showing the level of restraint William Williams shows Insomnia by just saying it normally, <laughs> and then Greg had to just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want
2: to I want to point out for the listeners Greg's uh, bottom jo- like chin hit the ground yeah. and his tongue rolled all the way out It
0: and was I, impressive
1: I have to say my dad was in Vietnam and he said there were some mornings where if it weren't for that <laughs> show they would have slept through the war
0: entirely Gets a point for his dad's <laughs> weird story <laughs>
1: <laughs> That radio show would come on and they'd be like guys we got a war
0: Get out Okay, it is time to vote. Ryan, it's clear where you're going, right?
1: Yes. Greg? I am going to also say good morning, Vietnam, because of that stuff I said at the
0: end. Love it. Good morning, Vietnam moves on. Your next battle is Good Will Hunting versus Bad Will Hooking. We've covered both of these movies.
1: Good Will Hunting.
2: One he won an Oscar for, which in these parts means bad. The other one's fucking Hook, which can go fuck itself forever.
1: Didn't we have so much fun watching Hook?
2: (laughs) Was that a clip of us having fun? Yeah, yeah, that was us watching
1: Hook. (laughs) Feeling really enthusiastic. That was a watch along. Why did we clap and cheer
2: the entire (laughs) time? (laughs) Because
0: Rufio did (laughs) a
2: backflip. Should we watch more movies like people watch sports? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like. I think he's the best part about Goodwill Hunting. I yep. think that he rises above the yeah. what seems now to be a little bit of a amateur script. Yeah, not to shit on <laughs> Matt and Ben too much, our heroes. Um, but yeah, I would rather have a hook in my ass than watch Hook on my ass. A har- oh, a hard would
0: rather stand. Yeah, that's a, a- hard I- argue
2: with that. Okay, it's not even about the movie. Is he good in Hook?
0: Is that an iconic performance of his? Well, depending on who you ask, and what- it depends on. We, definition of is is, Ryan. Because I think there's a generation of people who would say, Yes, he is great, and yes, it is iconic. Uh, people, I love Hook, I'm not one of those people necessarily. Yeah. People I don't, don't think I really on Hook, this show
2: they love Rufio yes. and Hook and if you're us, Shmee. I love Schmee. Yeah. Nobody Schmier. gives a shit about Robin Williams in that movie.
1: Yeah, he's actually he's a big downer in it, and they kind of were going for that, but yeah. that's awful. And then he becomes Peter Pan like and it's like it's too late, man. And you also he's a different version of, of Downer.
0: Once he's yeah. Peter Pan, you're like, yeah, he's like now he doesn't remember he has kids and he's being a bad dad in a new one.
1: Yeah, kid. he's fully zooted as <laughs> Peter Pan. He's way more like 80s Robin Williams.
0: <laughs> the hairs all over the place. Woo. So, Goodwill Hunting moves probably on. Probably, yeah, uh, that's probably what it's gonna
1: right. be.
0: Goodwill hunting moves on. Okay, here's a fun one. And another one where somebody learned how to harness the Robin Williams of it all. It is Disney's Aladdin. Versus Nolan's insomnia. I I mean we're gonna talk
2: about Robin Williams more in depth. I don't know how memorable or iconic. It's it's memorable, but like this did not change his career like fucking Aladdin did.
0: No. It, that Aladdin was the like video game speed boost in the race of his career where like people were like, oh yeah, remember what he does? And he did it again in Ferngully. Some say even better.
1: Nobody, <laughs> nobody says that.
0: My name is Betty. My logic is erratic.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean he's a. Uh, I think he's really good in insomnia i think he's very very interesting and there's like a lot beneath the surface but that's a tough draw the aladdin performance yeah
0: especially and this should maybe shouldn't come in but especially the age we all are and when it came out I think yeah it's hard to not and it aladdin feels like credit.
1: i'm sure it's not it's been a while since i've seen aladdin but it feels like that performance was all killer no filler yeah, I I do think
2: that the problem with Aladdin is the performances that he gave after Aladdin, yeah. not where he was more unharnessed. But I think in Aladdin, um, they really did cut a lot of the fat, or the fat is funnier because it's animated. I heard that they recorded I him first and animated, animated around him live, so they were just drawing
0: <laughs> so, so Very fast. Very fast. They all got carpal tunnel that day. <laughs> all right, so Aladdin moves on. Aladdin, yeah. Your, Your Aladdin. final... Battle of round one is Jumanji versus Mrs. Doubtfire. Now, this battle makes sense to me. This is like the same era, big, bombastic. I feel like he makes
1: the same exact noise in both of these movies. They're like, what year is it? And yeah, the Mrs. Doubtfire noise. And in
0: both, he says it was run by Fruiting.
1: What year is it? Do it, do it. Is Jumanji a big movie for y'all? Because obviously, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, I think,
2: raised the three of us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's how I learned about divorce. Well, aside from my parents. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> I, I've never seen Jumanji. I've Insane. cared not to. Who, who
0: cares? You got Kirsten Dunst. You got David Allen Greer. You got... <laughs> The scariest, the
1: scariest part of Jumaji is an English guy.
0: You got that, yeah, the English guy with yes, the helmet, the hunter. Yeah, he's the actual bad guy. Between watching that and then the live-action Jungle Book as a kid, I was like, oh, the British are evil. So oh, I got colonialism is yeah. the bad thing. I was a woke little fuck. My <laughs>
2: family was more of a Zathura household.
0: Ew, get out of here with that John Favreau bullshit. It's Go back to movie. space.
2: See, it's a they have a board game called Zathura, and it comes to life. Like now, they're hmm. in the board game.
0: Seems like a ripoff. <laughs> Greg gets a point for yours at Thora horseshit. They're but yeah, Mrs.
1: Doubtfire, consent. this is like this is a biggie. Yeah. This is uh, this is important.
0: When when you said uh described his job and everything in Good Morning Vietnam, Mrs. Doubtfire seemed to bring that back when like by the end of it he is a kid show guy. Like he gets divorced because he is so Robin Williams. Like uh-huh. they harness it and be like, Yeah, it'd be exhausting to be around this person.
2: Well, in the, in the first five minutes, it shows the job that he has in that movie that keeps him away from his kid and kids and keeps him as a debut dad, which is the voice of uh, animated characters. And so <laughs> they just let him go off as they're drawing furiously to keep up.
0: That he is the voice chicken. of
1: Poochie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was a run-bribe Poochie. So, I love Jumanji, but my yeah. vote is Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Jumanji's a good movie, but Mrs. Doubtfire? No way. Dude looks like a lady.
2: Ran out, ran whoa,
0: out. Whoa. And they wrote that song for this movie, yes? Correct. All right. Next up it is Good Morning Vietnam versus Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill it's Vietnam. Two good movies.
1: Goodwill Vietnam. Goodwill hunting for me, for sure. I mean, that like it's not your fault. I it's fun to make fun of that scene, I think. Or like to act like you're too cool for it. But man, when that scene's on. It's going to get you. You're going to feel it. We have the Carlton face home run. Yes, story.
2: dude. Uh, there's the... Uh, Finally,
1: somebody made baseball interesting. <laughs>
2: there's the, if you talk about my wife again, I'll fucking kick it. Yes, you that. yes. I, just, I love Man, that and
1: yet when Will Smith pays complete homage to that, <laughs> right on <up laughs> the stage, the maybe Academy it's because one more. of them is white. Ah, <laughs> uh, something to think about.
2: Did you guys know we're we coming up to the one-year anniversary of that and not the 12-year anniversary
1: of that? Oh, my gosh. And who played the live-action genie? Will Smith. It's, it's really starting to come together. That's what I call an entanglement. Good Will Smith.
0: <laughs> so good, good Will Smith moves on. Yeah. Good Will Smith. All right. Next up is uh, wow. It's just adult stuff versus kid stuff. Aladdin versus Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> this
2: one's probably. But this should be the finals. Um, yeah, dude. I. Oof. I think Aladdin is too big of a deal. Or I think the genie is too big of a deal.
1: I love the genie. Who doesn't love the genie?
2: You know who doesn't? Fucking if SoCal people are with me. Disneyland fans who have to figure out what the fuck a genie pass is. What is happening to Disneyland right now? Oh, what is happening to Let
0: us just wear a cool adult gang jackets and go to Disneyland.
1: How about this? How about I come in and I just hand you my wallet? And you just take all the money out of it and hand it back to me, and then we know Genie Pass has to get involved.
2: I, I don't want to ask for too much here, but if you could empty out my wallet and then put two flies in it, so when I pull it out <laughs> again, they fly out.
0: I will empty out a second wallet to purchase the flies to put in the first wallet. Oh, there's gonna be a fly fee. For this bit. They're outside in downtown Disney. That's the fly vendor. Yeah. All right. But Mrs. Doubtfire. I know. It's I I, I think and this is war two. Good at our drones. It was a drive-by fruiting. I think society, as, and we have to battle society as Aladdin. The three of us specifically is Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. If we're going like favorite versus iconic. Her,
2: her first name is Euthanasia. <laughs> is, is that, that true? true?
0: I don't know. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you know what? Actually, so good to say.
2: actually, I do know. It is not. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's Eustace. Euphigenia.
0: Euphigenia. That's, that's a made up on the spot. Euthanasia. <laughs> and I mean the
1: name Doubtfire comes from like it was like a headline where it's like police doubtfire was caused by Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, one of those like shifty eyes. Uh lamps in front of me, uh <laughs> foot's in front of me, I'm uh, Mr. Lampfoot.
2: Uh there's a there's a bird there, uh Robin. Um there's a John Williams over there conducting <laughs> yeah. Williams, Robin Williams, that's it.
0: All right, so what we have to vote. Uh I unfortunately will vote for Aladdin.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna be Mrs. Doubtfire. I am emphatically voting for Aladdin.
0: All right. The finals. And I think I know how this is going to go. It's not your fault versus You Got a Friend and Me. It's good Will Smithing versus Aladdin.
2: Uh, you're singing the song from Toy Story. Friend Like Me is from That's what Aladdin. I said. No, you said you got a friend in me.
1: You got a friend in me. <laughs>
2: you got a friend in me. <laughs> Do you know, the other day I told my wife that she has the same birthday as Randy
0: Newman, and she did not give a shit. What? Yeah, I know. Okay, Damn. So you know God how you a wicker up stack every... Oscar. <laughs>
1: you think you'd want to- No.
0: Blast Randy Newman every morning on her birthday.
2: I was like, he's an EGOT, and you're just an ego. T. Ryan.
1: Wow, that was generous. That was generous. I was like, I'm interested to see how this is gonna go. Her and name starts gotta... with
0: T. It's a perfect joke. Uh, Tiffany. <laughs> so where are we going? Um, yeah,
2: I just think that like this is this is this is the Robin Williams that we know and love. I mean, it's weird that it's cell animation, but this is it. Like, I think that this is most of his tribute. If you were to make one for him, is going to be the genie.
1: Yeah. But I think we need to honor his performance in Goodwill Hunting, and that's why it's going to get my vote because this shows. I mean, he's kind of doing what we expect him to do in Aladdin, but in Goodwill Hunting, he's really giving us like a higher gear than we've ever seen before. Because like he dipped in and out of serious stuff for a long time. He was in World According to Garp like way back, but this was like I don't know a completely different level than we had seen.
0: I I will uh, agree with you that Greg and see your honoring but <laughs> if we're saying what defines a career it, it's got to be ryan. aladdin and ryan voted with me so he'll get that point because i can well. remember how this one gets points <laughs> <laughs> so robin williams that was your career we're that gonna was, take a quick break what
1: that was your entire life robin williams uh, how back. long has he been gone now
2: five years, yeah. ten years how now?
0: long has zelda had to tell people to shut the fuck up on twitter
2: about that same amount of time. Probably five years Probably ago. Yeah. that makes
0: sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. More insomnia. Taste buds, casting Pacino and Williams in the same movie is dangerous for your budget. All of your scenery might get chewed. Ah. And then on top of it, there's Swank, also known to swing for the performing fences. How does the cast do it staying focused without gibbering hoo ha, celebrity impressions, and weird accents at each other?
2: I mean, that's another thing that we didn't talk about in the Nolan, when we were talking about in the Nolan segment, is. This is the most control I've ever seen him with actors. A lot of times he'll cast people like Tom Hardy, who are so subtle, you cannot understand a single word they say or they have That's a mask on. Um
0: <laughs>
2: But this is I I was so impressed by both of these performances. Like uh, sure I thought I was out. They pulled me back in. And I want to start with Pacino because did they if they probably didn't film this in order? And if you're just pitched this movie like uh Al Pacino goes through Insomnia and he gets crazier and crazier. You're like, oh, no. I'm not watching that. (laughs) I'm not watching him bounce off the fucking walls, dude. But this is so good cuz he's quiet. He gets quieter and quieter. He
1: gets so yeah. fucking sleepy in this movie.
0: <laughs> like it, Did it make you guys sleepy? I was yes. really I I enjoyed every moment of it, but I was getting sleepy just staring at his face. And
1: he he again, I agree with Ryan. He brings it in really subtly, but by the end of this movie, every time he's not talking, his eyes just like drift to the center of his gaze and then completely unfocused. And it, he really builds it up slowly so that at moments, you almost forget that he is, like, suffering from insomnia. Right. But near the end, he is completely
2: well, looped. I think that's so scary, too, to tell an actor. Even one with, like, this resume. This guy was in Carlito's Way and Serpico. Uh, that, like, <laughs> when you tell an actor to do this, I feel like they're going to figure out ways to ham it up. You know, to like be like, I'm so tired. But he doesn't. He, he, like Greg said, he doesn't get 40 his eyes. <laughs> Where's my night hat and my lantern? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like him sitting at the table at the bar in one of the final scenes of the movie uh, where everyone and oh, all the yeah. cops are drinking and like making fun. Yeah. But, and like Greg said, if he's not talking, like he's gone. I've had this experience with being tired is that if you're not, moving forward you are falling behind
1: and like they he does a nolan does a good job there with like the sound and everything too because like there there's a way audio sounds when the audience is supposed to be paying attention to it and then there's a way that it sounds when it's background Mm. and there are clearly people addressing him in that scene and yet it all sounds very background and like you're at the sitting at the bottom of a big cup or something yeah like
2: or underwater again and he'll like he'll look over and he'll like Try to shoo away from the <laughs> art there.
1: But again, in a subtle, non
2: Pacino way.
1: And as for Robin Williams, take all the energy you see in a Robin Williams performance and imagine that was going on inside a character who was remaining very calm and controlled on the outside for the most part. So I feel like you see, he's like a duck moving across the pond, right? Like he's mostly calm. But at the same time, you can see that a great effort is going on underneath the surface, like, and that's, and you are reminded that that's how he came to kill this girl. Like right. he just, all of a sudden, it all came pouring out of him because all of that chaos is in there. He just usually manages to make it seem like a placid stillness.
0: What what works is Williams. It doesn't feel like his normal energy. It's not manic. It is nervous energy. And like rage that it's sublimated the whole time. Yeah, like, almost like yeah, he's... pushed
2: under. While he's talking on the phone, it's almost like he's holding his leg from twitching, you know? Yeah. Like, just to not show any sort of fear. And it's because he said... He mentions this a couple times, but he's a... It seems like a half-assed kind of hack mystery author. Yes. Um, yeah. And he so he's writing this story. So there's almost like a meta-ness to the character of like, <laughs> I'm not acting with any in- instincts right. or surprise. I'm being... The character, I think, I should be in the moment, and Williams is delivering that all at the same time.
1: Yeah, and this is going to be like his actually like good work. Like this is going to be like the the best work he's ever done. He's finally going to put together a good novel and not just so many wild
0: cards. I mean, you can
2: even with Williams, but uh, with a lot of actors, you read that scene where he finally because he's been his first three scenes or so, he's like, it was an accident. This could happen to anybody, and then when we finally hear what happened. And it's not an accident. He's a fucking psychopath. Um, his tone does not change from the, any of the no. three previous scenes. And that that scene as an actor, I can see you reading that and being like, yes. I he says this the scene... most
1: messed up stuff, so calm and matter-of-factly. Yeah. You know, when they laugh at you and you just want to kill them. Like, oh, okay. Well, honestly, that's not as relatable as you think it is there, Rob. Uh, I know this
2: is going to sound like sacrilege because of my generation's great feelings towards the movie Heat which is not a movie I think is as great as everybody says, but I would put this middle scene with these actors up against the middle scene of heat where Robin Williams and Al Pacino are on this ferry Mm -hmm. uh, meeting for the first time in person and discussing their plan. And the way the two of them play off each other, it's not exactly chemistry. It's not like fast banter. We're not talking about His Girl Friday, but the way that they're listening and taking everything Mm -hmm. in and trying to improvise, uh, not like actor improvise, but the characters improvise their plan on the spot was the best scene of the movie by far.
0: And playing that three-dimensional jazz. Each character thinks they are three steps ahead of the other guy, but he thinks it's a game of cat and also yeah. cat. They're both just like, Am I getting one on over you or are you get one on
1: <laughs> Well It's one guy who's a moron who thinks he's a genius and another guy who's pretty smart but is exhausted. Well no, who thinks <laughs> who thinks
2: he's a hero but he's actually the villain. Yeah. Right. And Robin Williams is always three steps ahead. He's always turning around to sprint away, so that's... Yeah, <laughs> oh, away, <laughs>
0: he <knows>. go again. <laughs> he, he's got that that secret sauce that, was- that Gina never <laughs> expects.
2: It was hard for him on the ferry. He just kept running around it in circles.
1: <laughs> 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 but, and then uh, another amazing performance, like watching Hillary Swank be like blown away by this guy and mm. then kind of be like, mm, wait a minute, some of this isn't adding up and then all the way to like no, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be a corrupt cop just yeah. like you. That's that's how it's going to be. And, and again, you see all of that happen beneath her exterior, which is kind of always this smiling, rural, polite... polite and yet you you can see how much is going on beneath the surface there.
2: And yeah, I mean, and, she's, the, she's the cop that maybe Will Dormer was at some point. Right. You know, a lot of these stories aren't about people who start off corrupt but quickly become corrupt. Um, And then, you know, she has a... Ending with questions that sort of where she has to face some hard stuff, but um she she doesn't like go with what's easiest or what is closest to her beliefs, which I think is hard, and that's closer to the Robin Williams and Al Pacino characters, is that she is actually doing her job, her eyes are constantly moving around trying to figure out what is the truth instead of what it should seem like.
1: You know what she's doing right. for so much of the movie? She's doing that meme from Veep where uh Julie Louise Jarvis is smiling, but under her breath going, what the fuck? <laughs> so much of the movie is just her going like, big smile on her face, looking very optimistic, but on the inside being like, what the fuck is this?
0: And sometimes it's just having to deal with a bunch of dude cops. And that's yeah. You oh, oh sorry. We forgot, we
1: forgot you there when I started talking about blow jobs, guy stuff.
0: He, like, he invented the what's got two thumbs up and like. I think he did. Jobs. What
1: if he did? Honestly, dude, like, if I'm her in that situation, I'm like, The blowjob thing, I don't give a shit about. But please do not tell that joke. Like, it's your original creation, and then be like, sorry that I'm not politically correct. No, that's not the problem. The problem is that's unfucking funny and I can't believe we all have to sit around and pretend like any part of it is, like, okay from a comedy standpoint.
2: If you were born with only one thumb, and you use the joke, who's got one thumb and likes blowjobs, that's funny.
1: Hell yes. That is comedy. who's got one thumb needs a ride and also likes (laughs) blowjobs
0: all of us really
1: (laughs) all of us together
0: what what is this weird confluence of people known for not being restrained ever and they all just decided to low-key it well, how how and why did this happen? Because
1: he's not so busy supervising the script. He's just like, all I got to do is manage these acting folks. So we manage. That's, that's just my job. So I'm just going to get in there and work on it.
2: Robin Williams makes sense to me. It's like, it's that time in his career where I want to stop doing rehashes of Aladdin and Seriously, euthanasia, yeah. doubtfire. And I want like this, this just happens. You know, he did two psychopath killers in the same year. Uh, so it makes Three. sense for me. Yeah, I guess it, that's smoochie is one. Um, for Al Pacino, I think that this is the only time you should hire him post-Sentable Woman, is mm-hmm. if you convince him, this person is so sleepy, bro. Like, you don't <laughs> understand.
1: <laughs> You've never seen a guy this tired in your entire life. And that's
2: the only way to keep him restrained. Hillary Swank, I think, is the weirdest one because she was on fire. She had she was in between two Oscars in this movie um, and just was going for those meteor roles. I think this is clearly a supporting role that's a little below her, but it would have been worse if it was a lesser actress.
0: yeah well, well I love a bit. so her three phases that you pointed out greg the the puppy dog looking up to him uh realizing her hero's like the worst and maybe she should be him too a lesser like she played this all so real and not big and broad and yeah. like theater 101
1: broad I mean you don't know what she's going to do at different stages. You see it, that she's like she's figuring it out, but you never know what she's going to do with that information.
2: And it's right. possible that the character was so underwritten cuz it's a female that they needed right. to bring in an actress with like strong facial Chops. acting what in order a, to sell everything else. What would
1: a lady say here? Something about her period? <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you guys remember that fucking office episode where they talked about if she was gorgeous or if she was disgustingly ugly? Yes. What a No, it was
0: if she was hot. And that, that was part of their debate is like, no, 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 but we're we're not saying beautiful, we're saying hot. And then they like dug into the technicalities of what that means.
2: That's so strange. She's hot, right? <laughs> I don't want to do this, now, Jack. <laughs>
0: Speed round. Well, we don't have time for that question. That is not part of the Ah speed dang, round, right? we were just about to get into it. What are some town names that are more on the nose than Night Mute? Canada, Alaska.
1: Murder Murderton. Murd- Ki- Murder, Kill- Murderton, Killington. <laughs>
0: uh, Killington is uh, the Benfolds follow-up to Effington. Yes. Yes. A big Benfolds fan. <laughs> is Hillary Swank's <laughs> new show Alaska Daily a sequel to this movie? Yes.
1: It could be. Maybe. She's like, i I'm going to be part of the media. That's where I can really make a difference.
2: Also, bro, it's on weekly. Terrible title of a show.
0: How was? We- I thought it was a daily morning show. <laughs> <laughs> He's so angry. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we thought this was old Al Pacino?
1: Yeah, dude. The, the, we, I remember like, at this time being like, I can't believe it. He's so old. No way. Strap in, dude. This guy is just going to continue to get older and his face will just get more and more bloated.
2: But at least now mm-hmm. he's cast in movies like House of Gucci where everyone is Al Pacino-ing Al Pacino. huh
1: <laughs> His eyebrows have like expanded three times since this movie. <laughs> well,
0: that happens when you get older. Or... When you find the true meaning of Christmas. Al Pacino never sings about Dunkin' Chinos. Not once. Minor misstep or major misfire? Major misfire.
1: I heard recently and this really hurt me to find out, but that that is not a real commercial. That is from the movie <laughs> Mr. Deeds. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill. I'm so sad. I thought that was a <laughs> real commercial. That really takes the edge off of that kind of you know, because it's like Al Pacino's always walking that line between like is he intending to be this absurd or are we are we laughing with this guy or at this guy and that as an actual commercial that really walks that line (laughs) but then if it's in a movie you're like oh no he knows. An Adam Sandler movie. An Adam Sandler movie where Adam Sandler plays both Jack and Jill which impressive but I mean still not a great movie.
0: Which is different than when he plays both Mr. (laughs) and (laughs) Deeds. What elevates this from a normal detective story? I mean I think we've
2: been talking about it all night but that added elements that are so big, like Alaska, the IA, you know, and just like the takedown of the typical detective propaganda story that we usually get. Um, on the surface, seems like too much, but the way they all fold into each other is kind
1: of great. And the yeah, I mean the the way it sets up, leaning into every conventional. Like uh, you're you're so prepared to see a serial killer. It's just just his first one, but you're gonna he's gonna play cat and mouse with the cops, and this is how it's gonna go. he's gonna square off against a super cop, and just the way it it pushes you into being like accepting that that's the way it's gonna be. And then all of a sudden he shoots his partner, maybe on purpose, maybe not. Like uh, that it, that just makes it so interesting because it cuts against the grain in that way.
0: Uh, perfect segue. He fully shot Hap on purpose, right? That's not a pull- debate.
1: He pulls out a second gun. He sees Hap, and then he like clearly recognizes Oh, that's Hap. Like you the camera makes it very clear that like it, it was maybe occluded for a second, but then you can see him.
0: And he whips out a second gun. I need to get my hap killing gun.
1: Cops have their crime gun, and that's the <laughs> one that he pulls out to kill Hap. And then when he runs over, he's more like I'm gonna let you die while I say sorry that I did this then he's actually trying to help me. he takes his tie off, but he doesn't like compress the wound or anything.
2: couple things uh one crime guns are on your ankle, not behind you. Uh, I think that it was an accident.
1: Why does he pull out a second gun? he because has
2: it shows him run out of bullets and he has no second clip, I guess uh but he does go click click and okay, there's nothing there and then he looks into it and clicks it one more time just to make sure <laughs>
1: the wily coyote move.
2: <laughs> Uh, But then I think that what happens... I think that him not knowing it was Hap, shooting, and then not knowing what to do or how to handle it once he does know it's Hap, and then not knowing if he did it on purpose or not, is sort of... um, It sort of, like, makes the craziness... It sort of, Mm. like, uh, concretes the craziness that he's going through of he can't even remember. You know, like, we were... We pointed out that Robin Williams is not a figment of Al Pacino's imagination. Like, there's... Endeavour does that thing. But... There is something going on where you're not totally sure if Robin Williams is saying what he's saying, if Al Pacino is understanding him correctly, how much is in his mind. Not in a fight they club never on way. The
0: phone.
1: Like, uh, I mean, you watch you watch Dormer. Uh, great name, by the way. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you watch Dormer finally fall asleep for one half of oh, one second. And I was then
0: horrified when that fucking
1: phone That's ran. when the phone rings, right? And that is not a supernatural thing that's happening there. Except. It kind of is uncanny the way that the very moment he's about to fall asleep, this guy calls him. And so it, like, the movie keeps brushing up against that, you know, And and in such a more satisfying way. If at any point they were like, Twist, guess what? He's not even really there. It would be like, I'm done with this movie right now. Yeah. But by just opening the door so that the audience can kind of peer through that and see, like, yeah, there is something weird about this, and you start to question what he really says and what's really going on, that's enough. That door, just it being open, is enough to keep us from being settled in the movie, and we feel what happens more because of it.
0: Would this movie have been more interesting if there was a shuffling of the roles, if Williams or Pacino played the rookie cop and let Swank get in on the action? <laughs>
2: Al Pacino's rookie cop would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, let
1: me send hey, you I'm in! 20. I've read all your case files. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'd like. Bon voyage,
0: motherfucker. <laughs> are we done? That's what a rookie would say. Uh, um, I the ca- case
1: I had to solve in Wyoming.
2: I think it's an interesting thought experiment, but I do think that both of these guys are also playing on their own careers yeah. in a way where, like, yeah. switching it would, I think, damage the movie. But, you know, it's always fun to like wonder that but i think in this one they got it right
1: what if they what if they just switched every scene Mm. american buffalo or
0: every night this does (laughs) feel like i so much of this feels like a play except that it's just like gorgeous and cinematic but because it's so conversation driven throughout it i was like i would watch the shit out of a play a three-hander play of insomnia
2: i would not watch the shit out of any play
0: (laughs) we like the theater here ryan yeah Yeah. we're theater guys does this all seem quaint now? A cop just so torn up about planting evidence—something that we've seen countless times on body cams done to bust people for much smaller crimes or no crimes.
2: Yeah, you know, usually you see it uh, through the fingers that are trying to cover up
1: the body cam. Like, <laughs> like, how inept are you? I have seen a lot of cops now. They're they know the camera's on them like walk over and plant evidence. And then you. the best part is they like, then they walk away a little bit and then they come back and they're like, what, what's this <laughs> found or, something here. And so for the whole center of this movie to be like one time to convict this one guy, I planted some evidence
0: definite child murder and I
1: will never be able to get my soul back because I did this and don't let this happen to you, Hillary Swank. It's like when cops decide that you committed a crime, I don't think it's as big a soul searching moment for them to plant
2: a little Evie. You become a Rollo Tomasi. My favorite one from the body cams is when you see, or like you see the cop plant the evidence, and then somebody off camera will be like, hey, you planted that there. And the cop's like,
0: what? <laughs> Fentanyl! Oh my god, and, yeah. oh, and then they fall over. Someone mentioned it. <laughs> I thought about it for a second.
1: <laughs> the best is when you see them very clearly think that they have turned off the camera, <laughs> but they like just miss the button. <laughs> half half depress.
0: And finally, he he wanted Ellie to catch him, right? That's why he told her, hey, keep going Yeah, At a certain point. Don't sign
2: this. And like, we're I, you've probably been that tired where like it's nothing, it's whatever is mundane in your life, but you're just like, I can't do this anymore. That's where he was at. Like, he was melting down so much from the lack of sleep and the guilt guilt and the lack of sleep go hand in hand the entire movie. You know, if he had a clear conscience, I'm sure he would have been able to sleep. Uh, That he's just like, I'm fucking over it. I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired.
1: And she redeems him, right? I mean, that is like that that he is able to say I was dirty I was corrupt I take the sin onto myself and then now I pass from this world and what I leave behind me is a tarnished legacy but also is your purity I can say to you don't sacrifice this and then some part of me lives on through your virtue you know, have the one good <laughs> Ryan.
0: silencio. alright that is silencio. it for the speed round sorry we're <laughs> gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's award season Taste buds, it is time to give out some awards. Starting with the Insomnia Specific Awards. We have talked about how not Pacino y Pacino was this whole movie. Great ass. <laughs> But what is the most Pacino moment of Insomnia? Greg?
1: Okay. A lot of my awards come from like a five minute stretch of the movie. Um and near the end of this five-minute stretch, he is taking Kay's friend to the dump, and there's a lot of shit going on, and I'm feeling like a lot of weird emotions while this is happening. But he takes her to the dump, and then uh he's like trying to shock her because this is what he's he spends a lot of time trying to shock teens into telling him the truth. Uh, Scared straight, and he goes, "Your friend's here, wrapped up in garbage bags," (laughs) and the way he like bellows garbage bags is the most pacino thing like who i is always gonna lead with pacino but i swear or the the i always do that inches we need are everywhere around us but this garbage bags is delivered in the most pacino way of all time
0: that is a good one ryan what do you got that i I can't believe we didn't talk about that scene (laughs) like
1: Yeah, <laughs> just like, I think it's all we're going to talk about in these awards to
0: be honest.
2: <laughs> yes. I'm going to be restrained for an entire movie unless I can get a fucking teenager in my car. Hell
1: yeah, dude. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, I, my scene I
2: said that all my awards are coming from is the fairy scene. And mine is uh, they're sort of trying to intimidate Like who's got the most information who's the good guy, who's the bad guy uh, they're caught in a game of cat and mouse and uh, Al Pacino leans over to Robin Williams and he's like... Uh, I see you. I see a criminal. I, to me, it's like I'm a plumber, and you're a toilet clogged with shit.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. By the
0: way, you both got points for your Pacino. I, I loved that
1: line. I thought that, like, of all the layers of things going on in this, the part where he's just like, no, nah, dude, like – I'm not in this like on some deep psychological level with mm, you. Yes. We're not like the same to me or any of this, like I'm a blue collar worker. They sent me to go find the, the person that did the killing. I figure out who that is and I bring them to justice. But like there's not romance with me. Mm. This is just I am a hammer. This is a nail. Like I'm not in it like that. I love that. But that see, theme.
2: he is the perfect character for one of Robin Williams' mystery novels in the first thirty minutes.
1: Yeah. Right, it's and like it's honestly like the first thirty minutes of this movie are, are from the novel. Yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. at this
2: point, he's just like, I'm too tired, and also I'm not. Act- <laughs> You're not one of the cops that I'm always trying to impress. Yeah, I, that's a character I play for other cops, and I can't. You're yeah,
1: somebody
0: I do not care. About I can't do
1: all. it anymore. Like, I need a break. And if I'm not going to yeah. sleep, then my breaks... Like, his time with Robin Williams almost becomes his sleep, right? Mm-hmm. When we first see him really get into it with Robin Williams, he's just about to fall asleep. And so he's like, I'm not going to have my guard up with you. I don't care. Uh,
0: my Pacino moment was the interrogation when he's just screaming about, if did you have sex with have Because that is the the, the, mo- the Other than garbage bags! Yeah, uh, When he is at his most Pacino. But between those two... Right. it'll go to screaming garbage bag and robin williams is
1: like i don't know i guess she's, attractive. she's like no she was hot
0: he's <laughs> <Yeah>. like uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: i'm not sure because she was 17 take it from me very hot like, <laughs> 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 okay man
0: are you working through something dude <laughs> <here>? sleepiest moment <laughs> starting with you ryan
2: um I'm going to pick the one that I related to the most. Uh, when he's trying to stack all the stuff to block the light that's coming into the crevices <laughs> and it keeps falling down... He does such so a he, bad job! He keeps slamming it back up there harder, which makes it fall down faster. And that's just...
0: <laughs> That's just being tired. Just fucking, just stay there. It's like watching a baby. Everything from pillows to his tie, just laying on one of the. (laughs) And it's like it's
1: insufficient to fill up the space, and he's not really
2: like he doesn't have a good base for it. Here's one of those uh, twist ties that you do at the top of bread bags. I got that
1: right there. (laughs) Maybe if I covered this with garbage bags.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Greg, what is your sleepiest moment?
1: Uh, There is one moment we've we've mentioned a couple times, but he is a he has fallen asleep. Like, I don't think it has fully happened, but he's his head is on the pillow, his eyes are closed, and then that fucking phone rings, and there's just something about that moment when it's like he was there. He had the sleep in his <laughs> fingers, and now it is gone. It, w- it made me feel so physically tired just to see that.
0: Those are both good choices, gentlemen. But the best one is when he's on the fair. <clears throat> And his face is on the pole, yes. and <laughs> the ferry smash, trying to talk, <laughs> and just be like, oh, they're plotting Frank how to cover up this. a murder, and he's just like, yes,
2: uh-huh.
0: it is the saggiest, leatheryest bag his face ever is. They and have leaning on a disgusting fairy pole. Do you know what
2: has lots of caffeine that he could have drank at any
1: point? Dunkachina, a dunkachina, man, a dunkachina would have pepped him right up.
0: Uh, I know what I'm doing after this. Going to the dunk and down the street. <sighs> cringiest moment, Greg.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're kind of just having ourselves a little movie, uh, and we're in a world... We're kind of like we're in one of these early aughts moments where we're like, okay, this is set in a world where there isn't sexual harassment, and there's like, uh, and there's not creepiness, right? We're kind of free from that in this little environment. Just uh, a,
0: an adult male killing yeah, a teenage girl. Just a teenage girl uh, man, man, man. being
1: murdered. <laughs> uh, and then he picks up her friend at the funeral and right away the first thing he says when he walks over it's the the boyfriend and the best friend and he goes yeah i'll give her a ride and it's like nothing about that line is so gross except the way he says it and she knows he's a cop right yes so why does she just hop off the wall and she's like oh i'll take the ride with the cop i don't know and then (laughs) and then there is like such a gross energy and you're basically as the viewer when he's talking to this girl you're asking him you're asking the movie not to do this not to go down this road Uh, and they do and she is portrayed as so into the idea of like maybe being a little bit of a bad girl with Al Pacino and folks that is such a gross male fan. Like, there's, there's no way Every this girl,
0: seventeen year old, in girl a million loves
1: billion the idea years of
0: hooking up with a sixty-eight year old dude. Oh
1: my god, it's so gross and it's so awful. And you, the one thing I'll say is this: you think it's going to get worse, and it kind of doesn't because he's using that pressure to get her to to talk about something else. But it's still a shitty moment in the movie, and the, I cringed. The best, worst part of that entire
2: segment is. When the girl decides to go with him, he looks back at the boyfriend. He's like, Huh? Take that, <laughs> Randy Stets. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Ryan, what is your cringe? Two thumbs up or two thumbs this guy. Like, it's got to be that joke. It's just.
0: Oh. Uh, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. Did, th- does that feel like actor improvised? It makes no sense. We haven't seen any of those flashes from that character till that point. The only
2: thing he's missing is, like, uh, Kind of openly chewing gum. You know how like
0: uh-huh.
2: douchebags will just sort of open their mouth and want to do that. Like what if we Norm you... McDonald's impression of uh, Burt Reynolds?
1: <laughs> what if when they cut back to him, he had two huge prosthetic thumbs on, <laughs> like two big goofy, like everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, yeah.
0: Or two like foam finger. <laughs> yeah, <thumbs. laughs>
1: that'd be kind of fun. Dress it up a little bit.
2: Who has two thumbs and loves
0: baseball games?
1: Who has two <laughs> thumbs and just bought two additional thumbs? This guy. <laughs>
0: All right, pound for pound performance. Was it Ryan? Ryan uh
2: I cannot believe I'm saying this, but once the movie was done, I said it has to be Al Pacino. Robin Williams is made for this like just set up to like he's going against type and he delivers so many incredible scenes. but for Al Pacino to do what he does and subtly show this decrescendo of sanity without ever, hoo up and down right. the stage. I cannot believe he was capable of this at this point.
0: I love decrescendo of insanity. Mm. Decrescendo
2: of sanity, I would probably.
1: I am going to go the other way. I'm going to say Robin Williams, and that's because I really did feel the energy in this performance. I felt the, you know, sort of the warp and weave of his, of his insanity. Uh, and then I felt... I felt like it could just be seen the glimmers of it deep beneath the surface, and I just thought that like complexity of he's all, he's calm on the surface, but he's raging beneath, and it kind of like dialing that in and out really worked for me. I and I was I found that the most compelling performance and the most like m- motivating of the movie, or it really like it pushed the movie along the most for me. Oh, I killed you! Oh, jeez! Oh. Wow! <laughs> oh, cool so on. of course uh, the only recording I have. Boy. <laughs> make another recording. Uh, Dorber? Oh, tape recorder. Oh, wow.
2: Okay, you guys
0: get it for that. And then, and then, of course, uh, he Greg, just takes that off. A, that was a great <laughs> argument, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give that one to Ryan for Pacino. Finally, director's signature moment. Greg, start with you. Uh,
1: For me, the exterior of the car shots was the for me the most, Nolan. Um, The The Alaskan countryside is epic, but so much of this movie is actually very small scale. And yet when Al Pacino hops in a car, we get these helicopter shots of the Car driving along these roads. And again, it's all very beautiful. Yeah, you can't waste that. But it felt like the movie wasn't doing much with, like, the scale of small human life to big. Like, it's 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 talked about in passing a couple ways. You know, Alaska's so big and we're so small. But it, these shots really just felt like they belonged to a different movie and they belong to the other types of movies that Christopher Nolan y- likes to make.
2: There's two types of Christopher Nolan movies.
1: What's what's two types, right?
2: The ones that were born here and the ones that are running from something.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, the, just those exterior, those big sweeping helicopter shots of, like, a a land cruiser going along the road.
2: Ryan, what is yours? Uh, I got to give it to the log scene. You know, like, this is where he's (laughs) uh, flexing nuts the most. Uh, If you watch the log scene, it's incredibly effective, uh, incredibly obvious thematically, and does not affect the movie one way or the other. Like,
1: that's just where (laughs) Christopher Nolan cooks. (laughs) They kind of just ran into metaphor for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's getting pulled under. (laughs) This By is his a own determination. Darkest the
1: movie's been. Oh man, so much going on under the surface. <laughs> Why is Christopher oh! Nolan? <laughs> this is not a director's commentary. Yeah, I can hear
2: Christopher <laughs> Nolan in the background screaming.
0: <laughs> Should have cut that part <laughs> out. Uh mine was I guess it's not one scene, but it is uh the flashes throughout the movie you get the flashes of blood and threats. Mm. And this is the the closest to like the ugh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, For me, I was like, what's that supposed to be? Fuck you. And then by the end, when we get the answer that it's him planting planting the blood, I was like, fuck you. Did
2: did you think the whole time, Mike, when you saw that blood going through the white cloth that it was Trey Atwood's wife beater and Marissa Cooper just shot him?
0: Right. Yes, I did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that's the OC. That's the OC. Of
0: course it is, Greg. Anytime you say something to each
1: other and I have no idea what you're talking about, it's because this is about the OC.
0: yeah, that's what, with most people. There's so many things it could be. But yeah, with you, you know everything. Yeah, it's just
1: except for one show. All right, fine. Watch the show. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the mystery.
0: Mm. <laughs> what? Recommendations. I was debating whether either of you would get a point for Greg's answer to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I canceled each other out.
0: All right, starting with Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan. <laughs> Rex Ryan. <laughs> Porn star attorney at law. Was
2: he a Hollywood reporter, like gossip columnist?
1: Rex oh. Ryan was uh, the name of a, a coach in the NFL.
2: There you go. and Rex oh, Ryan. That's a real
0: name?
1: Yeah.
2: Was he one of the guys who... You can go suck a fuck, Rex had, Ryan. They found out that uh, his wife was selling, or he was selling his wife's pictures of his her feet online
1: That was his brother, I think Rob <laughs>
0: Ryan.
2: Okay. Uh, his
0: brother was selling pictures of his brother's <laughs> wife's feet <laughs> online. I'm going to
2: move on. Um my recommendation <laughs> is uh I think a movie that is a lot of people have heard of but few uh, not enough people have seen and that is Blood Simple. Um everybody has their Cohen Brothers phase um especially smack dab in the middle of their career when they did The Big Lebowski, No Country, um you know like everyone is a fan but I don't know how many people have gone back and started from the beginning. Mm. And the reason why Insomnia reminds me of Blood Symbol in so many ways is that the Coens, just like Nolan did in this movie, better than in any other movie no one's ever done, is the characters all know a little bit. And the audience knows slightly more. And the, uh, the information is dealt out to the audience in a slow way, but it's productive. And it makes it so you get to watch Al Pacino lie. You know, yeah. and and not you know the characters don't know it, but you do. And I think that Blood Simple is sort of the master of everyone knows something, but you slowly learn everything, and then just watch everyone wallow in their own shit. Right.
0: Great pitch. Thanks, buddy. Greg, what is your recommendation?
1: I'm gonna go, and I'm speaking directly to you here, Mike, because I think you would love this more than Con Air <laughs> Scream. It is uh, <laughs> the the game Disco Elysium. Uh, Disco Elysium is uh, like a role-playing game without any fighting. Uh, if you like games where you can make a huge difference on the world, where you have a lot of conversation options, and where you can change the whole way you approach the world based on how you build your character. Disco Elysium is about a, a cop who... Uh, has lost his memory because he is such a bad drunk. And uh, he is trying to figure out, among other things, where his gun and badge are uh, and who his partner is. And he's also trying to solve this crime. And uh, it's also about, um, there's like a lot of political messages in there as well. And it's just so interesting to walk around and talk to all these characters. Great voice acting, great uh, art direction. And the way it reminds me of this, I guess, is because you are a detective, you're trying to figure out who he is and build who he wants to be and resolve the fact that he's like been dirty and corrupt and uh, wants to to do better. And just the whole like not understanding anything about the character, which is great because as the player, you don't either, right? You haven't been this person right. until the game starts. And then they can't remember who they are, and so you're trying to figure it out. Um, and it's just a very, very, very interesting story. Probably one of the best video games to come out in the last five years or so. Has this sort of hit... Sort
2: of minorly hit the zeitgeist because I've heard about this but can't place it. So yeah, I sort of think that maybe I've heard about it. People ten places and can't put it together.
1: Yeah, because uh, it is, it's unlike any other video game. But what it is fun about it is, it feels like you can change things so much more than you. It feels like you can change things more, like to the degree that you can in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with real people, where like you can approach things in so many different ways and it can dramatically change it. And it feels like. Um, your decisions really matter and you can really change the world. And you're like trying to make this guy be better. Um, but just like a real human, he's very resistant to it. And like the bad impulses, his impulses are given voices in the game, which doesn't sound great, but it's very fun when you're playing. Uh, and so you like, you try to convince him to do things basically, but he's got these, these impulses and if you can't override them, you end up, you know, sort of just oh, being wow. a piece of that shit. That does sound awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Is it overriding by, like, pounding
2: square or hitting X at the right time?
1: No, it's It's rolling. It's one of these 2d6 situations where you're rolling uh, 2d6. And, like, you know, sometimes you're like, don't do that. And you have to
0: do a check. And if you can't pass the check, he's like, nope, I'm gonna. (laughs) (laughs) I want to live my life that way. Just give my friends dice. And say you have to convince me, roll for you it. You do.
2: live. It's called vodka.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're always rolling the dice when Mike starts to drink. Mine is, and I'm sure I fucking used this in the past because it's a thing I've been obsessed with like the last four years. Uh, it's the Bosch novels. Yeah. I have to say the black ice. Let's go with the black ice or trunk music. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, is this cop dirty? He does things his own way. Is he a piece of shit? Is the whole world a piece of shit? Is he dirty? Man. I mean he does break laws but only so, yes but to get the job done yeah yeah that's the same thing criminals do
1: see that's the thing like it that's <laughs> that's what the myth always is and then you right. watch this body cam footage and it's like they pulled somebody over and then they're like what do we do here and it's like ah throw some of the drugs that we've got on him like it's, it's but no <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It's never like we know he did it, but he's mocking
0: us because we can't prove it. That so, this
1: one time, we'll broach the etiquette.
0: <sighs> Fucking cops. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to tabulate these scores. And when we come back, we're going to discuss how insomnia might do in the bracket and who my best friend and blueberry muffin delivery boy will be for the next week. Taste buds. Let me tell you that you both did a great of a job throughout this show.
1: I feel like I got worked.
0: I feel like I got worked.
1: I feel like I got spanked on my great
0: ass. (laughs) There, there There's spankings. There was laughs. There was tears. There was jokes. There was well-made points. Everything I listed out at the top happened like I'm some sort of goddamn podcast Nostradamus. Greg. Yes. I would love to tell you that you got 46 points.
1: Okay, then do it. You Lay it, it on points, me, Greg. my man.
0: Ryan, I would love to tell you that you got 46 points. You both spanked each other, <laughs> which means right now we've heard your Warman Williams and we've heard your Al Pacino's. I need to hear a Hillary swank from each of you for the whole muffin mound. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg,
1: I, th- I think it, I think it should be me because I'd, I would love to get that big man of muffins.
0: It's pretty good, Ryan. <laughs> pretty good. What do you got?
1: Oh,
2: I'm Hillary Swank. Hmm. And I love muffins. Hmm.
0: See, I'm torn because Ryan's biffing it. So he doesn't have to hang out with me and bring muffins. So you want to but subject Greg's, him to that? But Greg's Hillary Swank was also his, uh, Jodie Foster. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Greg wins that one. Greg is the winner of insomnia, and for the next week, we're not going to sleep. Greg, we're going to just have a muffin party and throw muffins at each
1: other. I won't even make it past eight fifteen, my man. I know. I'm just
2: trying to get home before I I got up till nine. How late do you think muffin parties go,
1: dude? Well,
0: these are insomnia muffin parties, so they're all night.
1: Could, Could last could last well into next week, Ryan. Have fun. How
0: do we feel Insomnia will do versus 15 other movies?
1: Glad I'm glad we watched it for me. Put me in the category of I'm glad I watched it.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe it wasn't one of the movies necessarily that had a hand in forcing us to go to 16. Maybe it just was mm-hmm. along for the ride. Like, oh, and we get to watch Insomnia. Oh, me too. Hi, guys. Be- because it's always talked about as the forgotten Nolan yes. movie. It's now remembered as forgotten, and I think that's <laughs> I think that's bullshit. Like I think that it is in a lot of ways one of his best.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think so. This I is mean, upper division Nolan. Favorite.
0: Yeah, it might be of my favorite Nolan. It might be just too up my butt at this point in my life. When but. we do
1: a
2: Nolan bracket, insomnia might do
1: well also you know like i think his other movies are purported to have questions in them i think there's way more questions in this movie and there are a lot more down-to-earth questions like the 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 discussion i thought it was more clear that he killed hap on purpose and i think he made some really good points that maybe that's not the case but the movie's not going to tell you Mm -hmm. and that's compelling and it's not compelling whether or not the top falls at the end of inception that's not really compelling actually but the question at the center of this movie like That I think is an unanswered question that makes you care more about it. I mean, just
2: like depending on how you think about cops, especially in 2002, you might think he should not, there should be no internal affairs. You know, you have to deal, you have to like question yourself of like, do my heroes get to cheat a little bit?
1: I have to say, one way in which I'm a major bootlicker is because of watching cop shows as my entire childhood. When I hear someone's in IA, the people who are trying to make the cops obey the law th- themselves. <laughs> what disgusting, monstrous, awful people. Whenever they show up in these stories, they're just trying to ruin everyone's fun. Yes. Even in this, where we see he is a dirty cop, right. there's kind of like this like conniving evil sound to the IA voice. on the know, Alan Ficino. <laughs> <laughs> Solving crimes in the north, and are we? And
2: Dormer does not hold back. He's like, hello? And he's like, hey, this is IA. And he's like, oh,
1: fuck you. you yeah, <laughs> shit. You can't be a real cop. <laughs> Wrap the phone on the bar. Why don't you try to cop a little bit? Then you'll find out all the crimes.
0: But do we think it will do well in a bracket? No. no? I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: I think the reason I uh, I think this movie is good for the show and maybe in the bracket is that it seems simple and it's not. You know, it's just like it seems like an average Hollywood thriller, and it's not. Those sometimes those movies will surprise you. So I guess yeah. we'll see.
1: And I do feel like it's in a it's a movie for adults. Yeah. You know, like, and that's part of what we talked about this season is that, like, X, we're kind of near X. the the end. <laughs> all <laughs> hardcore. It has fucking and sucking, and that's what we look for in a movie. <laughs> this movie fucks and sucks its way
2: all up and down Alaska.
0: <laughs> that's the earned bit. that one. Yeah, you deserve that. Alright, that is Insomnia Thank you Taste Buds, thank you new best friend Greg Thank you for trying Ryan Coming up the rest of this season We have Minority Report We have Battle Royale We have Marvin Carler We have so many fucking movies We have barely scratched the surface of 2002 Until then, keep watching Those movies